Yo, what up, everybody, and welcome to the podcast this week on today's episode. Will Aaron Judge hit 60 home runs? We will discuss. And then, can Freddie Freeman please stop being a whiny little bitch? I think everybody's over it. And then lastly, previewing the NFC East, going through all four teams, seeing who's going to have the best record, who's going to be the biggest disappointment, and discussing what we like and dislike about their rosters and their upcoming schedules. But first, let's run the music. his 28th home run tonight walks it off against the uh, Houston Astros really good series I pulled it on because or I, I turned it on because you know yesterday the Yankees get no hit I see all over Twitter and social media Yankees are getting no hit again they're gonna lose they're fucking falling apart and then sure enough they're two big guys Stanton breaks the no hitter with the home run and then in the bottom of the 10th inning judge hits his 28th home run and that brought up our conversation here of can we really realistically start the home run count, right? Can we start the tracker right now in major league baseball with Aaron judge? And even, you know, I know he's a little banged up right now and I don't know if he's fully back. You have to give me this one, but with Aaron judge for sure. And even Pete Alonzo, right? 28 home runs. Are we going to see a 60 home run performance? Yeah. The last time we had 60 was bonds, the 73. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. We got close a couple times. A rod right. at 57. In yeah, but you, that's, that's the conversation here, right? Like, right. This is this number traditionally before Bonds and McGuire and Sosa before the three was the epitome of power. It was the royal number, right? Sixty-one, right? Um, and McGuire and Sosa obviously blew past that, and then Bonds capped it with seventy-three. So that's why this number to me is important because, again, back to the conversation, Judge could be the first one that we say pretty predominantly isn't a steroid user. He's a pure freak of nature athlete. Right. Look at his body size, look at his mass size. If he hits 62, 63 home runs, are we crowning him the true Major League Baseball home run champion? Yes to me. I love Bonds. Don't get me wrong. We've had that conversation well, but, too. But what does that but mean? The home it. run champion, like the best home run hitter ever. Like what do you, it's what do you per, mean by home run the champ, champion? The, the single season champion was Roger Maris, I think at 61. Yeah. Um, until McGuire passed him. Correct. Yes. And McGuire obviously was a creatine user. Uh, Sosa had the cork bat was also a steroid user. Right. Um, and then bonds at 73. So this would be the first non uh, what's the word I want to look for here? Um, controversial player that passed the Roger Maris number. And that to me means if you look at actual history and say, okay, well, Hank Aaron is the home run champion, even though Bonds has more career-wise, and you'd have to look at then Roger Maris as being the single season champion, that would make Aaron Judge the new single season champion. Okay, yeah, I can get behind that. I can get behind that. You know, if we're, if we're really going to keep these guys out of the Hall of Fame and we've had this yeah, conversation yeah, yeah. and we're going to you and I are going to have this conversation until we stop doing the podcast, to be honest with yep. you, if you're going to keep these guys out, get rid of their records is my view on it. So if you're well, just going to completely yeah. ignore their impact on the game and take them out of the hall, like you can't have the for, for bonds, you can't have the best home run hitter ever, not in the hall, in my opinion, like I feel like every number is is worthless is voidable at this point so i I can get behind your point like this is going to be possibly the best home run hitting season we've ever seen by a major league baseball player who's not being what's what's going to be the word controversial that's what we're going to use what's i mean controversial game because pete rose is controversial right i would say uh um man illegitimate illegitimate yeah right you know? like illegitimate i think is the best way to say it because of your your, your desired use and again we've talked bonds and mcguire and so so we love them i'm cool with it but right. there's bonds numbers right bonds is the home run champion and then there's the legitimate champion which is hank aaron same right. thing maris bonds like i i appreciate both they, they both are champions in my eyes right yeah i agree and it is pretty crazy to scroll down the list of most home runs ever, right, in a season. And, you know, that that Roger Maris season you're talking about for the Yankees was in 1961, dude. That was a and long, it was, was it long, long time runs? ago. Yeah, it was 61. Yep. Made a movie about 61. it. Great movie, actually. Interesting, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, great movie, yeah. too, by the way, if you've never seen it, Matt. 61. 
I uh, recommend it to all the young people out there. It, it, it tracks Roger Maris' season. Of, I'm pretty sure he broke Babe Ruth's record of 60. Well, that was the record before that. This is the funny thing. Even Roger Maris, if you look at the history books, isn't legitimate. Why? Because I think he had four extra games. He had an, he had extra games that season. Like that was the year, or a couple of years before that, they extended Major League Baseball's uh, season um, schedule. I think it was from 156 to 162. We'd have to look those numbers up. Yeah. But even that, I think, is built into the movie, if I remember correctly. Like the stigma of Roger Maris beating the record, but it's like, but dude, you had like two to five extra games. Like, is that really like that doesn't count, right? It's, now you track all the way up to Bonds is seventy three, and it's like. Talk about illegitimate. Like, that's all we've had since this happened, you know? like Well, and you can even start the argument now, like, they're muddying the balls, right? They're putting them in the humidifier. Like, they're actually, you know, tampering with the balls that are in play at specific stadiums, even though they're saying they're not. And, you know, like, it, I think that's just kind of... I think that's why I like baseball so much, is there is such a human element to it, whether it's the no-hitters, the balls and strikes, the baseballs being hit. Um, the substance being used, right? And what we're going to test for and kick guys out for and keep out of the Hall of Fame for and count for homers and count for titles. But we'll keep the Astros, even though they were banging on trash cans. Like, mm-hmm. it's 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 just like a really, really subjective sport, you know? And I think that's, I don't know, I feel like that's very American, you know? <laughs> and I think that's why I like baseball too. Like, it's not perfect at all, and it's never going to be perfect, whereas you have basketball and football that are really, really close to being as perfect and cut and dry as you possibly can. I think basketball more than football, but um, yeah, baseball is wild, dude. And, and to scroll down, like I said, I was like, wow, I'm really scrolling here um, until you see Bonds in 2001, right? Like we're talking 2022. That's, that's 21 years ago, Matt. And we haven't even really came that close. Alonzo had 53 in 2019. Um, Judge hit 52 in um, 17. 17. Oh, Stanton had had 59 that year as well. Yep. So, okay, we've had a couple guys knock on the doorstep. But, I mean, Matt, I can see when's the All-Star game, like the 13th of July around there, something like that, Mm -hmm. like two or three weeks from today, um, from this Sunday. I mean, I, I legitimate think we could see this dude at 31, 32 homers by all-star game. No doubt about mm-hmm. it. Well, he's gonna need he's gonna need a hot stretch here. I mean, this is this is what it took for McGuire, it took for Sosa, it took for Bonds. Obviously, Bonds is a different classification here, but right, it's gonna right, take right, a, right, it's right. gonna take a week and a half of 10 home runs. Uh, because you're gonna have the down streak, right? You're gonna have a period where your body's tired, where you're tired. And you've got to be able to make up for those lost weeks with those amplify weeks. I think the really big question here too then comes into you just talked about Stanton's name there at 59. And that was what got him that multi-massive contract, multi-year massive contract, ultimately, which led him being traded to the Yankees because Miami with new ownership just didn't want that on the books. Eerily similar here with Judge contract season, you know, same kind of player if you look at both of them too. Stanton signed his contract at a younger age than Judge did or will. But does this lead to New York signing him as well? Or does it lead to another team offering him a massive contract? Yeah. And then three or four years down the road, this big body breaks down and he's either similar to what Stanton's production now or even worse, right? And like Stanton's a good player, but he's not worth $30 million. Yeah, no, for sure. And it is interesting, you know, and, and to paraphrase kind of what Judge said, because I watched the end of the game in the interview after I was on the MLB app, you know, so they get the home the home coverage. And, you know, they said, oh, you know, were you feeling some pressure? Were you feeling, you know, a little discouraged because you guys got no hit and you were over the past couple? And he's like, what do I have to be discouraged about? I'm the best player on this team. I'm paraphrasing, but he said something really, really like he said, I'm the best player on the team. And it's like, damn, dude, like I haven't heard a guy say it with that confidence and with the team that's, you know, you can see hear that from, I don't know, like a Bryce Harper, right? Hey, you know, I'm the best player on an average team. Like he's saying, hey, I'm the alpha male in this locker room on arguably the best team in baseball right now. And yeah, I'm playing for a contract. I'm playing for the money. I'm playing for the future. So I am the best player and this team isn't where it is without me is what he's saying without saying it. So mm-hmm. the Yankees have a massive decision. And I mean, how old you said he's what, 31 years old right now, Matt? 
right around no, he, there. He will be 31 next April, so he's 30. So, so he's, he's 30. Play, yeah. So he's going 31 going in next season, going into his 31st season, a uh, 31st year old season his new next contract. Yeah. Okay. So he says, you know, he's basically saying, give me that 400 million, whether it's you know five year, 10 year, lifetime deal, whatever you're gonna do, because, and I kind of agree with him. As long as he's healthy, the Yankees will run. The Yankees will roll. Worst case scenario, I think, to what you're worried about, right? Like, he's playing great in a contract year. Classic. Fantasy football, basketball, baseball, whatever it is, you pick up the guy in the contract year, always, because they're going to perform better, right? It's human nature. Why wouldn't you? I'm not faulting the guys for this. But I think if the Yankees lose Aaron Judge, they're not the same team. I, I think that is, he's arguably the most valuable player in baseball this year. And you have to pencil him in as a no doubter top 10 arguably top five player in baseball for at least the next three, probably five years. Definitely top 10 for the next five years, in my opinion, just because of the value he brings at the plate. Well, no, first, I fully agree with you. And I'll look at this situation now as if you were to interview LeBron James in a very similar classification for his team, right? Yeah. I um, mean, LeBron's a different, different player, right? But he's the leader of every team he has. And you say, you know, LeBron, you've had a couple of bad games and he'd just look at you after you asked him if he's feeling the pressure and he'd laugh at you, right? Because yeah. he'd be like, what are you talking about? I'm LeBron James. Like, no, I don't feel pressure. Right. Um, and if that's where Aaron Judge's confidence is and that leadership mentality, you have no it's choice massive. but to sign him. If he has finally found that leadership and that confidence, right? Because he's had a number of injuries. You look at the 2020 season, only played in 28 games. You look in the 2019 season, only 102. 2018, only 112. We talked about Mike Trout. Right. We can say the same exact thing for here for Aaron Judge. The difference is Aaron Judge has 28 home runs, has an OPS of 1,000, and is batting 294, right, for the best team in baseball. Judge, If you look at Judge and Trout's numbers, I bet you they're pretty close this year, but the Yankees are the best team in baseball. You sign that guy because – that's the leader. That's the guy That's that the keeps this Yankees team at the level that we've expected for three or four years now. They're finally doing it, right? Um, this is the expectation that you and I had preseason last year when we did the podcast, right? Like, yep. oh, the Yankees, look them on paper, Garrett Cole, Aaron Judge. Um, what I do think happens here is I do think they sign him. I think they trade either Jason Dominguez or Anthony Volpe, two very, very young, good players, Right. Um, and Giancarlo Stanton. I think they pair him up and send him out to the Giants, send him to San Diego, send him to St. Louis, somewhere. Yeah. Angels, right? And say, hey, listen, we know there's a lot of money left on this deal, and he's still a good player. No doubt. But here's a kicker, right? Here's a good young player that you can kind of offset that value with. Um, and that money that we would have paid Stanton will pay Judge. And yeah, you lose a good young player, but you keep your you keep your leader, and that way you don't have eighty million dollars being allocated into two arguably similar players, but one's <laughs> right. an MVP and one's becoming more and more washed each year. Well, then the reason I want to talk about this is because he played. In L.A., or excuse me, he played in Atlanta, right? I guarantee, whether it was Antonopoulos, I think that's the name of their general manager, their AGM, someone within that front office organization probably came to him and said, we would have paid you, dude. Had you just had you picked up the phone and said, this is what I want? Right. And we, it was yours. Your agent said, we're not doing business, probably, right? That's what I'm guessing happened. Or your agent didn't reach out. Something was said to Freeman to send him into a fucking tailspin. Fired his fired his representation. Um, I, I think ultimately when it comes to him playing in L.A., you're right. He has to come to terms with the fact that he signed a contract. Right. And if you're not happy. For a lot of money. But if your kid's not happy, your wife's not happy, renegotiate the deal. You have that right. You have the right to say, listen, I'll, I'll, I will literally tear up the contract tomorrow. If you tear up the contract, I'll be a free agent next offseason. You know, it was nice. We gave this a shot. It didn't work. You know, I'll go play with Miami or I'll go play with the Phillies somewhere on the East Coast close to Georgia because, hey, Matt Olson's playing pretty good. And yeah. he's their guy now. You know what I Brains mean? Like, good. 100%. It, I think it's sad for both sides. Um, and honestly, like, I don't. 
ha ha to the Dodgers. Like, ha ha, ha ha. You got a guy see, that doesn't want to be there. Ha ha. <laughs> yeah, I don't see. I don't feel bad for both. I don't feel bad for Freddie at all. He's been getting played. He got played by his agent, clearly yeah. getting played. If that's if that situation is true, like what you said, it's getting played by the GM for Atlanta, because I'm sure it did not go down just like mm. that. Like, oh, come on, come to the table. We would have gave you whatever. Obviously not. They tra- Before the, he signed the contract, they're like, nah, fuck it. We'll just trade for Matt Olson. Boom, yep. replaced, done. We've moved on. The Braves have moved on after your World Series. We've kind of forgotten about you, and you can't get over it. Like, dude, this is on you. You could have gone and made... You're literally, arguably, the best player in, we'll just say, modern franchise history, right? Like, since the era of Maddox, Smoltz, Glavin, Chipper Jones, Andrew Jones, right? Like, you have been the face of the team since those guys, like the generation before. And you should have recognized that, and guess what? You could have taken a little less money to stay. It wouldn't have hurt you. Wouldn't have hurt your mental health. And it's, I'm just sick and tired of seeing him fucking cry. Like I'm over it, dude. And if it's going to be like this all season, the Dodgers are dead because did you see what Kershaw said about him? Mm-mm. Hold on. Let me, let me look this up real quick. Well, and, and I think the biggest thing too is we'll, we may never know the truth, right? We heard after he signed with the with LA that Atlanta never offered him a contract. I right. really want to know the truth, though. Did his representation get a phone call, right? Did 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 Atlanta ever make that phone call? Like, we just won't know because these things happen behind closed doors. And again, right. this is a publicly traded company. Like, you know, there's a lot of legality that goes into not only that team, but every other team. And I just, I think it's unfortunate because I, I would like to see the drama really unfold in this situation. Right, yep. So after Friday night's game, when he got the ring, the reception... Um, the whole nine yards, Clayton Kershaw, who once again, Kershaw is basically the epitome of a professional in my eyes. He is not a drama starter. He is not, he's a leader in my opinion. He's obviously a veteran nowadays. Um, said this and I quote, it was very cool. Excuse me. Sorry. Uh, he said it was very cool. He's obviously been a big contributor for our team. Clayton talking about Freddie and I hope we're not second fiddle. It's a pretty special team over here too. I think whenever he gets comfortable over here, he'll really enjoy it. It was a good night for him on Friday. Yeah, but listen, this isn't Atlanta. This is a team of misfit toys with a paycheck attached to every single goddamn one of them. Trey Turner, Cody Ballinger, Mookie Betts, Clayton Kershaw, Trevor Bauer, right? All these guys are making 20 plus million dollars a year. Right. This isn't a homegrown team. And like, I'm sorry, Clayton Kershaw. You've had one World Series championship and a Mickey Mouse World Series year. And everything else has been a complete letdown because you guys, for the most part, can't get over the hump. Why? Probably because of team chemistry, because you're all bought. Atlanta did it when they weren't even considered one of the favorites in the postseason last year. Right. Like you should be second fiddle. I wouldn't want to play with you because it's not a team. It's a bunch of paychecks. And again, with his health concerns and his lack of ability in the postseason, like you talk about him as a professional, and I agree with you, but he's also a complete letdown. And I think that's probably the biggest issue, too, is that Freddie Freeman can't step into this clubhouse and be a leader. This doesn't feel like home to him. Atlanta is a well, homegrown baseball team. I mean, I don't disagree with what you're saying about Kershaw, but this has nothing to do with their performance. I, I agree with your point for like the chemistry issues. Like, you know, they are there, they're all making paychecks, living well, living large. You know, that's not like a homegrown team like Atlanta mm-hmm. with, you know, Freeman, Acuna, Albies, uh, Daisy Swanson, the whole nine yards, right? But, I mean, the, the whole point of this is you still decided to come here. So yeah. stop bitching. Like, you yeah. decided to take the paycheck. You decided to kind of be that asshole that's like, hey, I just won a World Series for the first time in 20-something years with this historic franchise. I'm the face of the team, the leader of the team, and I just couldn't come to terms with the front office. Like, you do look like an asshole here, too. You can't just keep deflecting all the blame and crying because you miss it so much. I can't I can't stand it. I really like so, Freddie. It's, it's driving me crazy. So in your opinion, then, you got you know we're going to get through this season here. Fred, Freddie's not going sure. anywhere this season. 100%. If you're the Dodgers and you're Freddie Freeman, what's a happy divorce? What? Where do you send him? Because uh, again, I think Atlanta's off well, the table, right? Well, well that's what I'm, yeah, I don't know. Like, do you send him anywhere, or do you just tell him to sack the fuck up? Like, we're paying you. What are they paying him? Matt, three hundred million dollars, two hundred fifty million dollars. What's the what's the contract? Twenty two million dollars a year over like six or seven years. Okay, so I it's mean, a, it's a bargain bin deal. Still, like, what is that about like one uh, one fifty, one sixty, something like that? Well, let's have uh, a look here. He's on a six-year deal for $162 million. I mean, that's a lot of money, dude. It's a lot of money, but it's not 
you know, we're talking about Aaron Judge's contract at forty million dollars a year. You Aaron, know, Judge like, is, Aaron Judge is the best player in baseball. Sure, man. sure, sure, sure. But the difference between Freddie Freeman and Aaron Judge, it's you know, it's maybe. I, one I agree X. with you. They're both all they're both all stars, right? All stars. Judge is yeah. Judge is a little bit up there. They both won MVPs, right? Um, well, actually, I don't know if Judge has won an MVP before, but Freeman has. To me, that's the difference in like Russell Wilson and Josh Allen. You know, like Josh Allen, yeah, sure, the numbers are there and it's incredible, but like, yeah, so is Russell Wilson. I could probably take either of them and put them on a really good football team and get a championship or at least make a playoff run, you know? Right. Yeah, I feel you. Um, I forgot. Oh, you asked what what would be a solution. The solution is telling them to get the fuck over it, in my opinion, because if they trade them anywhere, it's not going to be back to Atlanta. And then you're just going to go through this cycle. And now you're going to be the guy that left your team and got traded to three, four five different teams because yeah. you just couldn't get over the fact that at the end of the day, you made a mistake. Like there's, in my opinion, as a human, as a person, as a competitor, you knew you were acting like that. Cause you know, you made a mistake because mm-hmm. you love that team so much. You let the money, you let your agent get in the way. After whatever, how long have you been there? 10, 12, 15 years, however long it was. Like, you go in there and make something happen. You tell your agent, I'm signing with Atlanta. And using him as the fall guy and everyone else as the fall guy, like, I just want to see some ownership. In less tears. It's honestly bothering me. Yeah, well, the last thing I'll say, to your point, because I think you nailed it right on the head, you don't allow yourself to get to an offseason where you're officially a free agent, right? Like. You come in halfway through the year. If a deal's not done, you go personally to the general manager and say, what do we got to do? Like, how much can you really offer me? You know, like what's, what is the, at the end of the day, your last offer? Right. And you sign it right there, you know, right. right, You just won the world series, dude. You really couldn't come to an agreement. Yeah. That's unacceptable. I didn't really love the Cowboys offseason this year. <laughs> Let's just get on over here. So they released Lil Collins, and this was all in March. Released Lil Collins, acquired a fifth and sixth rounder for Amari Cooper, got rid of his full contract, which is another big part that's not really mentioned in this thing here with them uh, trading Cooper to the Browns. They re-signed Leighton Vanderash, signed uh, safety Jerome Curse. And that's about it. I thought they had a average draft. We'll see how these guys turn out. But, I mean, the, the Cowboys, I feel like the Cowboys lost a lot more than they won this offseason. What, what, what do you think about their offseason as a whole? I think you look at polar opposite offenses coming into the 2021 season and now the 2022 season. Because of one guy? No, but I mean, you think about Gallup, you think about Cooper, right? Like, yeah, that's true. Gallup I forgot about injured, Gallup. I, I, I right? lost and, right over him. Um, and we kind of joked on this in the last podcast in regards to CD Lamb having to be the guy, right? Like he was always kind of supposed to be the young developmental wide receiver, obviously first round pick. Right. Yes, but Cooper was the guy. Now Cooper's gone. And now your safety nav Gallup is also gone. You have Ezekiel come into another season where he's been, you know, lacking production. And sure, you have the kid from Memphis behind him. Right. Tony um, Pollard. Tony Pollard, but like, you know, you only have the, that one concept from a wide receiver position until maybe week right. 11 or 12 when Gallup comes back. Um, and yeah, you have the tight end position. Is it Schultz? Am I saying Schultz-y. that properly? Yeah, they got Schultz and they, and they drafted the kid from Wisconsin, Jake Ferguson, who's not bad too. I think he might uh, end up getting a, a decent amount of playing time. Yeah, but I, I would say I'm worried because Dak Prescott's finally going to have to go out there and make throws, right? You know, CD is going to be locked up. You're going to have some of these other kids. Also, he ended up losing Cedric Wilson, right? He was a guy that, like, you don't really think of a lot on this roster, but he was depth, and that depth went to Miami. I think, really, I'm concerned about this offense. Um, I'm concerned that Dak Prescott can elevate some of these other players to another level, and I'm concerned that CeeDee Lamb might just be invisible in some of the games that they play. Yeah, I think early without Gallup, it's going to be offensively interesting. I think something else that's different, too, is uh, I don't think their line is a strength anymore. Zach Martin's pretty old now. Tyron Smith is old and banged up. Um, Got a couple question marks, you know, along the line with the right tackle, center. I don't think their line is what it was Dak and Zeke's rookie year. Obviously, I think the the elephant in the room, if you even want to call it that, everyone knows Zeke Elliott's getting paid too much, right? 
where is Tony Pollard going to fit in? Is he going to fill the void? Are they? I've seen rumors online that they're going to put him in the slot a little bit more, which I I think getting that guy the ball in his hands, he was better than Zeke last year, in my opinion. The numbers don't reflect that, but I think if you watch the Cowboys enough and if you watch football, they're on prime time every single day uh, or every single Sunday. He looked more explosive and better than Ezekiel Elliott. Now, to your wide receivers, I don't think CD will disappear. I think it's just going to be a little bit more difficult for him to put up the numbers that he was putting up without Amari Cooper. I think that's obvious. Their third wide receiver is James Washington, who, you know, he's all, he's all right. Um, but yeah, after that, it's it's pretty rough, man. Jalen Tolbert, Noah Brown, Simi something. I don't I don't even know who that is. They, they don't have that depth, right? Said Wilson somehow had some relationship with Dak Prescott that I couldn't really understand. But for the first time in a long time, and this was my gripe against the Cowboys last year, is I actually think, Matt, they uh, they got a top 10 defense again, for sure. Um, their secondary outside, just the only guy I don't like on the secondary is Anthony Brown. Uh, the Jaron Curse and Malik Hooker are pretty solid at safety. Trevin Diggs, you know, people give him a lot of shit, but he's still, I mean, what do you have, 11, 12 interceptions? That's that's 12 turnovers, man. And for guys that watch, you know, I'm not saying he's Charles Woodson, but just when Woodson was on the Packers, that many opportunities for your offense when you have a solid top 15, top 10 offense is always great. Um, re-signing Van Der Esch was huge. Obviously, Micah Parsons. They picked up Dante Fowler Jr., uh, who I think is going to be a sneaky pickup. And then hopefully a full season of Demarcus Lawrence, Lawrence excuse me, will really kind of tie this defense together. So for my, you know, pessimism about the offense um i do have some blind optimism about the defense which is a crazy 180 from last offseason because i obviously was like i'm not picking the cowboys win the division they can't defend anybody yeah i mean you nailed that (laughs) i don't think there's much more i need to say i think the only thing i'll add to that perfect real take is i think dante fowler jr can be similar to the player that randy gregory was in this defense um you know gregory came back basically from obscurity, you know, criminal issues, just personal problems and burst onto this, you know, productive scene for Dallas, picking up a lot of the slack for Lawrence who was injured. Obviously Correct. he goes to the Broncos after kind of bailing on a re-signed deal with the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah. um, ouch. And um, you bring in Fowler and Fowler, the similar things, but not necessarily the criminal history, right? There were the personal problems, right, just right, right, lack right. of production of that first round pick who had a great season in Atlanta, right? Had one really, really good season. So I think Fowler could have a productive season. Um, and I agree. I think this defense is underrated. And again, this is the luck of playing in a really bad division. This is, yeah. you just, just be moderately decent. And honestly, what McCarthy is really, really good at is being good enough to get you that divisional win, whether it's Pollard or Elliott or Lamb. Like they'll find ways to score. Yeah, he'll coach defense. him up good. Yeah, yeah, the defense will, will be good enough, as you said, to be better than last season, which will elevate them amongst uh, amongst the teams in this division. For sure, for sure. Let's get into the schedule. Um, they open the season again against Tampa Bay, which is kind of funny. I had to double check that that was right. This time they're playing in Dallas. I think their first five games, just kind of like a lot of these teams that we've been talking about thus far, will know a lot about the Dallas Cowboys in the first five weeks, right? They got Tampa Bay at home. Cincinnati at home, then they go play Monday night in New York, play the Giants, then at home against Washington, and then on the road against the Rams. I've got them there. I'm going to give them... mm, I'm going to give them three and two. I think they can... I think think they beat Tampa opening night, Sunday night. I really do. I think they beat... For sure, they'll beat New York and Washington. And I think they beat Tampa, probably lose to Cincinnati... Um, in the Rams, that's that's kind of that's what I'm feeling right now. Gut instinct. Yeah, I think they either beat Tampa or they beat Cincinnati. I think they beat one. Um, yeah, I like. I'm that. interested to talk, and I'm excited to talk about Tampa when we get to that division. I think that's probably the biggest question mark now with Gronk's retirement, right? Like that first yeah. game will tell us a lot about both teams, much like we said it would last year, right? Um, and it did. It it kind of paved the way for us for the regular season. Didn't really give us much for the the postseason, but like that game again, I think is really important for us to see where's Brady at, where's that line at, and everything yep. we just talked about with Dallas. Yeah, I agree. Their next three games, I, I'm going to pencil them in for a win here at Philadelphia, which is the only one I'm a little nervous about Sunday night football uh, versus Detroit at home and then at home against Chicago. Then they go to a bye week. So after eight weeks, I mean, I can see them at a, at a six and two. I feel like worst case scenario, if they're worse than five and three, 
um, going into that bye week, I'd be concerned as a Cowboy fan. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to take this loss against the Eagles early on. Sure, uh, I'll take five, I'll take five and three, just because again, like the Eagles could surprise us. Um, you know, I, I think Jalen Hurts is the question mark there. We'll get to them when we talk Eagles, but I'm going to take. I totally agree. Now. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And then this is the this is the last kind of home stretch here, on the road against Green Bay, on the road against Minnesota, home game against the Giants, home game against Indianapolis. Now that's where they could go. Honestly, even zero and four, I don't think they yeah. lose at home against the Giants, but easily could lose one. I think they could easily lose to Green Bay, easily lose to Minnesota easily lose to Indianapolis. Now, will they? No. I'll give them two and two for that stretch. I'm going to go six and six there. Well, one and three there. You know, six and six on the season. Which is this, which is reasonable, right? They co- So yeah. now they come out uh, in week 14. Um, what was that? Six, seven, eight, nine and three. Okay, the Cowboys. Now we can really start believing in the hype, right? Like maybe they are contenders. If, if we got them at nine wins by week 13, right? If they can get through, they beat Green Bay. They beat Minnesota and Indy, dude. Woo. That that would be extremely impressive. That's three Sunday night games thus far um, for the Cowboys on the schedule. And they play Houston, Jacksonville, um, Philadelphia, Tennessee, Washington to close it out. So, um, I mean, they're Houston, Jacksonville. I mean, shoot, man, I've, I've got them at five. Got them at five losses. Was that 11 and five? Is that what, is that what the season goes? Yeah, eleven. Yeah, I've got them. What, how many games was that last stretch there? You said we have so yeah. So we got Houston, Houston. So one, Houston one, Jacksonville two, at home against Philadelphia three, on the road against Tennessee four, uh, uh at Washington five to close five. It okay, I'll take them four and one in that stretch. So I'd round them up to ten and seven. I have them ten and seven, which is way different than last year, but. Uh, that's still a really good season. Oh, you know so, I, I mean? so mine would be eleven and six then, huh? Because there's yep. seventeen games. Yeah, eleven and six. Yep. Sorry, my math was off there. Which you know, I think when we did Green Bay, I had I had the Packers at ten and seven, or maybe I had them at eleven and six there too. So I mean, they're going to be fighting for that number one seed. I promise you. I, I like we're going to do Philly next. I don't think Philly. I don't think I'm going to pick Philly to win eleven games. I'd be shocked if I did. Well, and personally, I'm disrespecting Washington because I don't know what to expect out of them. The whole um, Carson Wentz thing, you know, yep. like that's, yeah, the whole yeah. Carson Wentz and, thing. And, and Dallas's defense is too good for Wentz to beat to him one, them once, in my opinion. Well, I, I'll tell you this. I, Jacksonville at the end of the season is no, no layup. We saw that from Indy last year. We're talking 100%. about a full season with Trevor Lawrence having a good coaching staff or a better coaching staff, a better developed team. Travis Etienne back, uh, you know, assets being added to the team. Talking about the kid from Georgia, first overall pick. Maybe he's actually a good player. Like, there's a lot right. of things that could march into that game as Dallas loses to Jacksonville, as the ascension, the ascension of Jacksonville going into next year, 100%. being an actual team. Well, and who did they lost to? Someone like I think they lost to the Texans midseason last year too. Like just some random ten o'clock game that everyone took them on their Survivor League. Um, here, pulled up right now. Oh, you know, it was. Uh, it was Denver. They lost to Denver at home. Yeah. They got smoked, thirty to we sixteen. Ta- it's, it's and it's just like this. This is what's going to happen. Like it's going to happen to every mm-hmm. single good team this year, no doubt about it. You get tripped up, hundred percent. All right. So next stop in the NFC East is going to be in Philadelphia with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, interesting off season for these guys, right? Uh, didn't do too much in free agency. Their biggest free agency signing was Hassan Reddick, which I, I liked it. You know, they definitely, if I was going to improve one side of the ball coming into the season, it would have definitely been the defense. Not that their offense can, could not have used work. Um, the defense matters for them, especially in that division, right? You got to slow down the Cowboys and um, and keep it more of a competitive ball game. You can't try and outscore the Cowboys, even without Amari Cooper, in my opinion. Um, but then you get to the draft day and they make the biggest splash on the draft day, right? In my opinion, they're one of the biggest winners on draft day trading the, what was it like 18, 19th pick, something like that, Matt, uh, for AJ Brown, bringing in a bonafide number one superstar wide receiver to pair with, uh, Jalen hurts. And of course, Devonte Smith, who they drafted early last year. So, I mean, running down their off season moves, I would give them a, you know, a B, a C, 
something like middle of the road because I don't think they did a ton, but you bring in a, a Pro Bowl caliber player on offense and defense, like I think that's an automatic probably I give them a B in their offseason. So I'm excited about the Eagles. What what did I miss or what did you uh what did you feel about their moves this year? Yeah, I thought the two biggest moves you mentioned, um, but then pairing with that, you know, you get Davis out of Georgia as well as Nicobe Dean out of Georgia. Dean, yeah. if you remember, we did the draft series. You know, I didn't really know anything about college football players. I would just watch some games, so I had to go back and look at the tape. And when I saw Dean, he absolutely jumped off the page. I mean, I, I remember writing down specifically, uh, you know, underlining and circling, this is going to be a playmaker. Uh, I didn't know that there was obviously the injury concerns because yeah. we're not NFL scouts, right? We're just here right, to say, right, hey, right. I see this and I like this. And to see him slip in the draft, it was like, damn, okay, like, well, maybe I'll never get to see some of the things I saw on tape actually, you know, like realize in the NFL level and all the reports out of, you know, early OTAs and uh, this rookie camp is that get the kids absolutely flashing his potential and that this, they don't understand how he fell, that he's wearing the green dot, you know, that he's playing with first team defense, that he's out there and he's ready to make a difference this season. And yeah, he's 5'11", right? There's concern. There's already injury concern. Okay, we've got that, but he's out there currently playing. There are a couple of guys that have come into these rookie OTAs and aren't even on the field yet. You know, you look at uh, single Stingley over there in Houston, not on the field yet. So it's like, okay, right. Dean's playing Davis, that huge six, a body, you know, like he's going to be there in the middle. I think you've paired two young kids together that are going to help this defense significantly down the road, if not day one this year, and then adding the number one wide receiver. Are you kidding? That's only going to make Devante better. Um, the big question, you know, is what happens with Jalen? Can, J- can Jalen take that next step forward? Right. Where it's about time to decide, are we paying him forty million a year? And that's the right. big question. And, and you see the rumors out of camp already that mm-hmm. they're looking to pay him thirty-five, forty million already. It's like you know we need to see it, right? Um, yep. I kind of said last year, hey, he's going to be a fantasy sleeper quarterback, and he was. He was a really, really high-performing fantasy quarterback. But if you look at his game, a lot of garbage time, a lot of rush yards and rush points, rush touchdowns for fantasy. Which like, there's nothing wrong with that, but it didn't translate to a lot of wins last year, right? So. It is going to start and stop with Jalen Hurts and our boy Garner Minshew backing him up. Um, I'm a big uh, Dallas Goddard guy, so I still love that they were able to hold on to him this offseason. I think their offensive line is average. You know, I think they have a solid offensive line, but if they can get Miles Sanders a healthy season, Hurts to play well, I think the offense is fine. And I think you you hit the nail on the head, right? If they can get this Nicobe Dean pick to hit, right? If he stays healthy, if he ends up being their starter, to pair him with TJ Edwards, to pair him um, with uh, with with the pickups in the offseason, as well as they have a top, you know, five. They definitely have a top ten. I would say probably top five cornerback group right now with Darius Slay, who's one of the most underrated corners in the league. They picked up James Bradbury. Um, they have uh, Avante Maddox, who's pretty solid. Marcus Epps or excuse me, not Marcus Epps, uh, Zach McPherson. And then at safety, they have uh, they picked up the guy for f- the 49ers who dropped that interception yeah. on Stafford. It's like Tate, uh, who, he's Tate a good is. player, Tart, yeah. Tart, and yeah. then uh, Anthony Harris, who's also pretty solid. So I, I like Philly. I think they're going to be the most competitive team to Dallas this year. And um, roster-wise, top to bottom, I don't, after going over Dallas, I don't think they're that much. They, they're that far off. There's only one position, and it's the most important one. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think Bradbury's a huge pickup. Obviously, you know, if he can regain form as one of the best corners in the NFL, as he yep. was in the 2020 or 2019 season. Yep. Uh, and honestly, taking him away from one of your division rivals because they didn't have the cap space, huge pickup, right? The Giants are going to regret that, I, I hope. And, and then secondly, I think year two of Kenneth Gainwell's career here. Like, this is your opportunity to step into that, um, that Sproles role that he was drafted to be. Very, very good running back out of Memphis. Yeah, I think that last year, you know, kind of wasn't in these packages because, again, rookie. Uh, but I have a lot of confidence in him, and I think he could definitely be a playmaker and a guy that really changes that offense because we haven't seen that production from Sanders that we've wanted to on a consistent basis. And honestly, you got to have a guy behind him that can handicap handicap him. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Okay, let's run through the schedule here. First, uh, first, we'll go start with the first four games. They're in Detroit at home against Minnesota at Washington at home against Jacksonville. Man, I see them starting. I see them three and one to start the season. Mm-hmm. I, I'd be disappointed if they're not three and one to start the season after those four games. Agreed. Um, next two before the bye, they are in Arizona and then at home against Dallas. So um, first six games, right? Like I said, I think they should be three and one. 
I just have them at three and three. They're at home against Dallas. They should win that game. But I uh, coming into the season, off season, right now, I uh, I just don't I don't I just don't see them better than Dallas right now. I'm gonna give them four and two. I think they beat the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals underwhelmed this season. I could see that. Um, by week seven, um, then they go at home against Pittsburgh, on the road against Houston, at home against Washington. And then um, on the road against Indianapolis, man, I've got two and two in that stretch. <sighs> yeah, I was just gonna say I want to say another three and one stretch, but I just I don't see it. I got two and two as well. Um, that'll put mine to five and five for them. And then um, they're at home against Green Bay, at home against Tennessee, on the road against the Giants. Uh, is that four? Yeah, that's another four. Uh, oh no! Sorry, one more, and then on the road against Chicago, I've got them two and two in that matchup. Yeah, I got them two and two. Yeah, I'll I'll have them two and two as well. I could see them losing uh, in New York though as well. I I'm high on the new coach out there. We'll we'll get to them in a second, and then to close out the season, they're on the road against Dallas, uh, at home against New Orleans, and then at home against the Giants to close out the season. So, ugh, I probably I probably got, have them um, a game under five hundred. Is probably what I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna put them at. Yeah, I'm gonna put them at nine and eight on the season. Yeah, flip mine. I'm gonna do eight nine. I think that's realistic. Um, now, a couple of the games that I'm assuming they lose, right? I, I have them losing both games to Dallas. I can see them beating Dallas once. Um, I also could see them. Where did I get tripped up? Um, well, I picked them to beat. Uh, well, I could see them beating Arizona as well. And then um, where was the other one on here? Oh, Tennessee. I could see them beating Tennessee. I, I put them down as losing that game, but I feel like those are the games that could flip that record. Well, and I that's that's the key game that I honed in on was the Tennessee game because we when we are, when, when we get to them, that'll be a hard team to gauge. Yeah, it you know, didn't really boost their defense that much. Lost their number one wide receiver. Drafted a kid that came at a weight camp overweight under conditioned like okay Derek you know it's your time like it's your team now you have to perform and I like that Eagles defense yeah I like their defense too and I mean it's a Jalen Hurts experience right so I have them beating Washington twice is he good enough to beat Washington twice right I don't know I think so on paper I think he is but who knows All right, so the next team we're going to get into is the Washington now Commanders. You know, we were just kind of talking about that. I kind of wish they stayed with the football team. You don't have a suggestion, but don't like this one. Um, they had an interesting offseason. Uh, I was having a hard time finding who they picked up. It's because they lost a lot of guys as well, Matt. Um, I, I can't, they have like eight dudes that they lost with them. They lost Brandon Scherf, who we talked about um, in free agency time. Ricky Seals Jones, who was all right, you know. Um, Kyle Allen, they lost Landon Collins, DeAndre Carter, Eric Flowers, uh, a lot of releases and a lot of guys getting signed by other teams. The only players that they picked up and didn't re sign um, would be Carson Wentz, right? Um, obviously, a pretty big addition. They got themselves a starting quarterback. Just talked about the Jalen Hurts experience. Carson Wentz, I think I'm out on him. I, I just, I, I don't see it. They did re-sign J.D. McKissick, um, and that's... Oh, and I guess they just re-signed McLaurin today, the day that we're recording this. So outside of that, they record, uh, re-signed some other guys that, to be honest with you, I haven't really heard of. Um, what do you think about this? We'll get to the depth chart here in a second. What do you think about this roster? I think the the big loss is the offensive lineman, Brandon Sheriff. Sheriff, uh, yeah. Yeah, if I'm saying that correctly. I, mm-hmm. We liked him a lot. He's been an, a guy that's you know in contention for all pro and pro bowls. He's a rock in that offensive line. That was a big loss. There's no way around that. Carson right. Wentz, I agree. I'm out. If you couldn't make it work in Indiana, Indiana I can't see that you're going to make it work in Washington. Although, you know, guys do revitalize their careers. I, I think his biggest thing is the jitters. He's just got to find confidence, and when he throws the ball, he's got to throw with authority. That's what we th- saw that season where he was on pace to win MVP before he tore the ACL in Philly. Yeah. It was just pure authority. When he threw the ball, when he delivered the ball, he knew where it was going, and he did it without hesitation. We see a lot of he- hesitation, a lot of interceptions because of that hesitation. We right. also need to see him more mobile. right? These are the things we have to see out of Carson Wentz, the things that I didn't see last year. 
Um, so I just have to assume that this is probably going to be a middling quarterback position, quarterback room. Um, and unfortunately, the quarterback goes as your team goes. You know, the team goes as your quarterback goes. So right. I'm just not holding a lot of hope for Washington. And it sucks for Scary Terry because here you are again with a guy that like, he's okay. You know, he's, he's right. an okay quarterback. Like probably I, I'd grade out uh, Wentz a little bit above or maybe even a little bit below Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, yeah, he's he's in the he's in the neighborhood now, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I crazy. thought going into last year that he would take Indianapolis over the top. Obviously, that didn't happen. Now, looking at the depth chart as is on, like I'm just looking on ESPN right now. It's funny that last year, going into last year, I'm all in on Washington because I think their defense is elite and is going to carry them past some subpar um, offensive performances. That ends up not happening. Chase Young tears his ACL. Now I'm looking at the roster and their defense is. They're middle of the road. You know, there's not a ton of guys on there that you're super hyped about. Obviously, they have one of the best defensive lines in football. But after that, um, you know, they're going to be starting our guy, Jamin, Jamin Davis, right? And then, you know, they have a couple okay average cornerbacks, Matt. What's going to have to carry them is Carson. And that's why I'm, you know, as we've done this NFC East, I'm kind of overlooking Washington. And maybe it'll come back and bite me in the ass, but... There's no reason Carson shouldn't have success, Matt. Look at their depth chart. This is a this is a legit depth chart right now. Uh, obviously, you got Wentz, you got Gibson and McKissick in the backfield, right? You love Gibson, we both like him. McKissick is a really really solid number two. You got McLaurin, you got if if healthy Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson, and Deami Brown. Plus, if he's healthy, a Logan Thomas. Like on paper, Matt on Madden, that's a I'd, I'd give him a top 10, arguably top five core of offensive weapons right there. I don't see one guy that I hate or wouldn't maybe throw a flyer in for one week in fantasy. Obviously, McLaurin's a must start, but those other guys are solid. Thomas is good. Yeah, and, and Dotson's getting rave reviews out of uh, training camp as well, right? I mean, really? His coaching okay. staff thinks he's having... They are. Who, he is who we thought he was. You know, the initial reports are the kid is running crisp, clean routes. The coach even came out and said he's looked on film to try and critique and try to give uh, Dotson some pointers as to where he could improve. And he's like, I can't find mistakes. That's impressive. Wow. But but again, that's yeah. kind of what, especially you saw in the tape, was that this guy was the most pro ready route runner. And when you have a route runner right. like that, it, it's hard to find mistakes. Like, sure, you could ask him to be a little faster. Well, that's not really going to happen, right? Um, and I think with a, <laughs> yeah. a veteran quarterback like Wentz, you know, having that kind of guy in the slot is going to really amplify what McLaurin can do on the outside uh, and what Thomas can do over the middle. And, you know, when you've got a guy that can take advantage of those middle linebacker packages. But speaking on middle linebacker, uh, I think this is Davis's season to really elevate this this team and this this defense in particular. They've got the good offensive line. Their second level needs help, and he's got to take the step. He's got to be a transitional player for them this year. Because that third level, that safety cornerback position, it's just okay. You've got to be able to bring the blitz and you've got to be able to play zone defense. And that falls on Davis' shoulders. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's dive into their schedule here. So they start the season. Uh, first four, they're playing at home against Jacksonville, on the road against Detroit, at home against Philly, and on the road against Dallas. Um, I think that's an easy two and two. Now, if they lose to Jacksonville or Detroit, we're looking at a, a catastrophic number here as far as like how bad this season can go. Cause they will start zero and four or one and three. If they lose one of those two games, I don't think they have a shot against Philly or Dallas early. Honestly, I think the Detroit game's interesting. That game, that game right there, we caught, we talked about a tell them game. Um, yeah. hundred percent in Detroit, Detroit can beat Washington. I think Detroit's the team that goes like six hmm. and 11 and Washington is the team that goes like Three and fourteen, three because, and thirteen or fourteen, yeah, yeah, because the quarterbacks are the same, offensives basically the same, the defense obviously in the beneficial territory for Washington because they're also more experienced. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go two and two as well. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that they can beat Detroit, but that's gonna be a good football game, right? Well, and here, here comes the rip of like this. This is the schedule here. Then they go um, at home against Tennessee on the road against Chicago, at home against Green Bay, on the road, or excuse me, or excuse, at home against Green Bay, on the road against Indy, at home against Minnesota. That was five games. Sorry about that. I, I think the five. only game they win is uh, Chicago. Yep. 
I think they lose to Tennessee, lose to Green Bay, lose to Indy, lose to Minnesota, and then they go to Philadelphia. So now I have them at three and uh, and six at Philadelphia, at Houston, at home against Atlanta, and then at New York, then a bye, finally. Whew. See, I have them two and games. two in there because I have them losing to the Eagles, losing to, did you say Tennessee? Uh, yes. Yeah, and then winning against the Giants and winning against Atlanta. So I'm sitting at uh, was, yeah, five I mean, I've eight. got the Yeah, I I've actually have the same thing because I have them beating Houston, Atlanta, and the Giants. Okay. So then they come back and play the Giants again. Then they play at San Francisco, at home against Cleveland, home against Dallas. I have them losing all those games. I, I think they split this. The I, 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 I said they split this. I, I think they split with the Giants this year. Okay. So either 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 one you want to put yeah, that. I, I'll, either, I'll take. You that. know what I'm saying. Um, so that's another one, two, three, four losses. Uh, that's five one season. Yeah, five and that's twelve. Right we, that's right. Feels we were just right. Talking. Five and twelve. Feels yeah. right. You know, I think maximum eight wins this year. But like well, that's it, overachieving to me. I mean, the only way they break this is if that defense is incredible. You know, if that pass rush takes it to another right. level, if Chase Young can get 15 to 17 sacks, if that interior of those two kids from Alabama right. can really make some noise, like, big changes. It's like, when's Chase Young coming back, though, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the million-dollar question. He got hurt middle of the season last year. I'm trying to see real quick if if they have anything on him. Well, and if you look at Bosa's first year back, Bosa out there in San Francisco wasn't really an impact player until year two. Like, yeah, he was still Bosa, right, but right. that was that second year off the injury where you started to really see that performance come back because, yeah, that first year, you were literally just knocking off the rust. This division is just terrible. I don't even. I don't even know. I don't even know where to start with with these teams. Now I do like Dayball, so I I feel like I have some blind optimism right now for the New York Giants just because I think this is the real coach that actually maybe changes the culture back to something good. Now, with that being said, um, they still have one of the weakest offensive lines I've ever seen. I'm really intrigued to see what happens with Evan Neal, right? Like, is he going to turn into a pro? If Evan Neal can put himself in the top 10, you know, right, they have him on here as a right tackle, right tackle in the league, we're looking good, right? You know, they need Andrew Thomas to step up. It, it, it starts and stops with the O-line on offense, right? Because the O-line makes Saquon better. The O-line is going to make sure that Daniel Jones has time. Now, you and I both don't like Daniel Jones. So he's automatically going to be... Uh, you know, we're probably going to be somewhere in the five to six win area. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a Tyrod Taylor sighting, bro. Tyrod's backing him up. Our boy, Tyrod. I think they win more games with Tyrod, to be honest with you. Um, you know, huge question marks all over the roster. Kenny Galladay, what's his deal? Sterling Shepard, can he stay healthy? Kadarius Tony, do they want him on the team? They re-signed Ricky Seals-Jones. He's their starter at tight end after um, Evan Ingram went. Where did Ingram go? Jacksonville? I think Ingram went to uh, the Bucks. Let's Did look he? it up. Yeah. I mean, um, my my big concern here is, um, you know, what were we saying for the first eight games of the season last year when it came to Baltimore? What were we saying, Matt? What are they not doing? They weren't running the ball. That was right. the biggest takeaway. Who is in charge of that offense? Brian Dayball. Yeah, Jacksonville. Right? And I love that for him, actually. Well, Dayball, is the, really uh, Dayball was the guy for Buffalo. That's what I'm saying, though. That's that's exactly what I'm saying here. What was their issue? They didn't run the ball. Okay. So you had yeah. this oh, sorry. You said Josh Baltimore. Allen. That's why I was confused. Okay. <clears throat> um. And and I'm I'm out on Dayball. But I'm out on Dayball because he doesn't have uh, he doesn't have Josh Allen to bail him out, right? Like, yeah. Can you really elevate Daniel Jones? And if he can, hey, I will be the well, first one. Well, that's the thing. Like, they said that. Yeah, they said that job. he's the reason Allen got elevated. So like that. That's where my blind optimism is. I don't think Jones can be elevated. I didn't like him in college. I didn't like him coming out of the draft. I haven't seen one start of a Giants game, and sadly, I've watched because I've had Saquon and other guys on the team where I've been like, yeah, I really see some potential. Like every bad quarterback makes good throws. I know that sounds stupid, but every bad pro quarterback can go out there and wow you with a couple of plays. 
But God, if you can't control the offense and get first downs consistently, I'm out on. And he's he's just gar- I think he's garbage. Well, and maybe this is where Dayball can kind of do some mixing and matching with what he did there in Buffalo. Like if you look at Josh Allen, Josh Allen's one of his biggest attributes is running the ball. You know, it's controlling the ground, it's getting those first downs with his legs. And yeah, Josh Allen is extremely athletic and he has some speed to him. But honestly, Danny Dimes, like we don't give him enough credit as being a scrambler. He's yeah, he's he's athletic for sure. He's got he's got the ability to get out of the pocket. And I think ultimately, if you're not able to do it with the arm, then you're not good. Then the team doesn't care if you get hurt. So go ahead and send him out there. Send him out there in some <laughs> rush, pa- rush packages. And maybe then you open up that second level. Um, but I don't hate it. Again, like you got to elevate Danny Dimes. If you can do that, I actually have a little bit of faith in this team because Saquon is still, in my opinion, an elite caliber prospect. Like I can agree. He's a kid that can break out for uh, a, a league rushing championship at any time. But you got to be able to throw the ball to have that even open up. You got to, you, you just got to give him any sort of help, like any sort of help, you know, whether that's the O line, a real running game, excuse me, real passing game, anything. You can't just stack the box knowing he's going to try and make magic because it's just not going to cut it. Um, let's run to, let's run to the schedule here. So, first four games were in Tennessee. Talk about a tell-all game right there, right to start it off. Who's Tennessee? Who's the Giants? Huge game. Um, at home against Carolina, at home against Dallas, at home against Chicago. And then we'll do, whoa, shit, two more. Uh, we'll just run the first six games. So Tennessee, Carolina at home, Dallas at home, Chicago at home, Green Bay at home, Baltimore at home. Five of their first six games in New York. Well, I guess they play Green Bay in uh, in London. Yeah, two and four. <laughs> Who do you have them beating? Um, I have them beating Chicago, and I have them beating Carolina. Yeah, I can get Carolina behind that sucks. as well. Carolina, yeah, sucks. you're right. I, I can get behind that. <laughs> suck. I could. That game's I, that game's going to be a, a pick 'em or minus one, probably yeah, towards yeah. the Giants because they're at yeah. home. Agreed. Might be a horrible football game. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If we want to watch that game. <laughs> um, and then before the bye, they go at Jacksonville, at Seattle. Uh, I have them splitting that. They should win both of those yeah, games. They'll, they lose. they'll lose one, though. They'll beat Seattle. I think they lose Jacksonville. I have faith in Jacksonville. Yeah, I think I think the other way around. Um, hmm. Okay, cool. So that would put them at three and five for both of us. Yep. Yeah. Okay, then they go on a bye, and then they're at home against Houston, and then at home against Detroit, on the road against Dallas, and then at home against Washington. I'm going to give them two and two there. They either lose... Um, to Washington Sorry. or Detroit. I'm going to give them one in three. Like Ooh. I said, they split that season series with Washington. I'll give them this game. But I, I did. I, I, if Detroit is who you and I think they are, I think they lose that game against Detroit. Yeah. Houston. I don't know, dude. Like I don't, they're, they're sneaky. So I'm going to get, I think I just don't like the giants. I think they're going to lose. Um, Cool. So I've got them now at four and eight. What do you have in that? Five and seven. Five and seven. Okay. Then they're at home against Philly, <clears throat> on the road against Washington, on the road against Minnesota, at home against Indy. <clears throat> I've got zero and four. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I had them. I had them beating Washington last time. Is that the last game? Is Indy the last game of the season? No, they're. They have one more game. It's at Philly. They might they might go for the I end have of the five season. And 12, five and twelve. Five and twelve. Yeah. Yeah, I have not I have one less win. I have at four and thirteen. Yikes, man. Damn. And you and you like the Giants. You know what I mean? You literally were, in your opinion, higher than you th- I think you thought that you were on them. You look at the schedule. Yeah, but you'd look you look yeah, exactly. You look at their opponents like I mean, what do we say they 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 well, one of the home games is in London, but you play all these home games to start the season, but they're against quality teams. Like, I don't see them beating Dallas. I, I, I could see them losing to Chicago, but I picked them to win. I don't mm-hmm. see them beating Green Bay. I don't see them beating Baltimore, right? You go yeah. down the schedule. Like I said, I, I don't see them. I don't feel great about saying, yeah, they'll beat Jacksonville and Seattle. I don't feel great about them beating Houston. What does that yeah. say? You know? Yeah. At home. I like see. I like I that know, game man. against Houston at home. Houston just doesn't have a running game as it stands today, and like, 
I think I think that's an easy game. I for might the be being. A, you're right. I might be being a little harsh, but Detroit. I can see that as a, a toss up. I really can. But Houston, if you can't be Houston, you know. Ich. You're right. I'm gonna I'm gonna flip. I'm gonna go the same record. I, you're right. You're I'm overlooking. I'm jumping on the Davy Mills train maybe a little too hard there. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. just pulled up Houston's uh roster. It's Lord bad. have mercy. Damian Pierce, that is might that be correct. Th- is he their running back? Uh they have Marlon Mack and Rex Burkhead, and then Damian Pierce is what they have. I think here, Pierce but... is that Pierce is that fantasy flyer this season. That kid's gonna be... I agree with you. He's gonna be <laughs> what do they got? <laughs> You're talking about Marlon well, Mack. And Co- and... I mean I mean Cooks is, Cooks is a must draft, must play. Yeah, he's, he's all they've got, dude. He's got all they Straight got. Up. He should be Debo Samuel. Just hand him the ball and throw the ball. He can throw the ball to himself, <laughs> you know, like that's that. Yeah, straight it's up. It's that, you know, in the, uh, what do you call that, in the driveway. Just throw it up and just run forward. Yeah, just throw it off off of the off the house and catch it yourself. Throw it in and catch it, <laughs> Brandon Cooks. Well, everyone, we appreciate you. We will see you guys next week with some more breaking news, and then we're going to break down another division in football. Um, have a great weekend. You can follow me, Matt Guest, at, on Twitter at Matt underscore Guest. Matt Morris, Matt underscore E underscore Morris. And then our podcast is at Pitcher Bet Pod, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. See you guys.